The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your host for the House of Hardcore podcast, Tommy Dreamer! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House of Hardcore podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dreamer. And this week, man, someone who I've known for quite some time, but I'm happy that she's been trending. She's got championship gold. Kylan King, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so good. You know, the the news just got announced, so everybody officially knows I'm part of the Impact family, so it's a good day. Big contract, big contract. You bought that house she always wanted for your mom. You're just <laughs> rolling with a Mercedes Benz now. You went right to the bank. Yeah, that's what we'll let people believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. All right. The question that I ask everybody, what got you hooked in this wonderful world of professional wrestling? Uh, I got into it for my brothers. I have five brothers. And uh, my my one brother, Lucas, he was a huge wrestling kid in our family. And uh, it was one of those things where he just kind of like snuck it into our house without my parents realizing it. Because my parents are very like traditional people. So they always considered professional wrestling like the devil's TV. Um, so they, didn't, they weren't fans of it. They didn't like us watching it. My brother, he would give like VHS tapes to his friends. He would have them record it for us. And then like my parents were gone on date nights, we'll watch it together. And I just remember like growing up in a household with that many kids, like you're always fighting, whether it's verbally, physically, you're always fighting. And I would always remember that whenever wrestling came on, we all got along. We all sat still and we all were like, what is this ridiculous thing on our TV? This is great. And uh, I fell in love with it. You know, I just loved the fact that it could bring a bunch of crazy kids together like that. And I loved the storytelling and I loved, I loved, I wanted to be able to, at some point in my future, give that to a household of kids. Like it was given to me as a kid, because I, how much it like brought me to life and it kind of connected me to each one of my brothers in a different little way. So yeah, that's kind of that like my awesome. origin story. <laughs> um, what year was this roughly? Oh God. Oh God. Um, probably the mid to late nineties. Cause my first, my first memory of wrestling is like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I'm pretty sure that like my introduction to wrestling was the attitude era. Cause I remember every single time his music would hit my mom, like, like, especially when we play the video games, my mom would come running in like who broke the dish. Like she always, she got, she got caught with it every single time. Um, yeah. So that's my first memory of wrestling was, was Stone Cold. Uh, and then I kind of like, you, you know how it is sometimes, like you kind of go away from it for a little bit and you come back. So I was like 
mid to late nineties, went away from it for a little bit and then started watching it again, probably uh, 2005, maybe. I think, I think I'm not the best with numbers, but I'm pretty sure it was okay. around that time. <laughs> and uh, So you understand me. I've never gotten away with it and live it in my current existence and wrestling just as my constant the other real world is the other thing that I got away from. And I just live yeah. in the wrestling world. Wrestler yeah. brain is horrible. Um, yeah. How tall are your brothers? Uh, each, I think my shortest brother is probably the same height as me, about six foot. So each one of them are at least six, two to six, four, anywhere between that. My dad used to be like a good six, five and, you know, He's been shrinking a little bit with age. I, last yeah. time I went home, I was like, "Dad, I feel like I'm closer in height to you." And he was like, "No, you're not. Don't make that joke. We're not there yet." And I was like, "Okay." That's awesome. Yeah, I used to be six three. Now I'm six one. Break your neck, break your back. That happens. Oh, um, yeah. Did you have a favorite growing up? China. Uh, nice. I, I always, I always say it. She was a huge symbol to me. Uh, just for because me growing up, like. I was always taller than all the girls. Even before I got into weightlifting, I was always kind of more built than all the girls, even some of the guys. And uh, I remember for the, and you know, and I was always like this very tomboyish. I, I, like I said, I have five brothers. So I would hang out with a lot of dudes all the time. So I would pick up a lot of mannerisms. Like I wouldn't act like a girl, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and I was very loud. And a lot of people always told me that everything about me was incorrect or weird or different and i remember the first time i saw her she was very different looking she was very big she was very uh, uh tall and all those things but all those things are what made people love her and what got her a job and what made her lots of money and stuff like that so i just remember that was such a huge inspiration to me because i was like okay all these things that people are telling me that's wrong with me is what's going to help me uh stand out in this world especially in the professional wrestling world so your poor mom and dad having a bunch of six foot giants running around the house DX crotch chopping and saying, telling them to suck it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. Oh, my for the longest time, my mom and dad didn't know what that meant. So they would just be like, that's inappropriate. Don't do that. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's really cool. <laughs> no mom. It's cool. Um, it's cool. So how do you go about, I mean, I, I know, but my viewers, my viewers, my listeners don't. Um, how do you go about pursuing this pro wrestling thing? Like, how did I get into it? Yeah. Um, so to, to go back to what I stated before, my, my parents weren't crazy about it. So for the longest time, I wanted to do it. But I just kind of did the whole, you know, listen to your parents and go to college and do this and do that. And I was in I was about in my sixth year of college when I was like in the middle of a classroom. And I just like started having many panic attack. And I was like sweating because all I could think about was wrestling. And like, all, all I could think about was how much I wanted to do it. Uh, so to skip a couple details, essentially, eventually I went home to my parents and I told them like, hey, I'm going to leave school and go pursue this. And they were just like, what? <laughs> so I worked a couple different jobs, saved up. My instinct was to move to Florida. So myself and two of my brothers, uh, Lucas, the, the big wrestling guy, and uh, my other brother, Mitchell, uh, we all moved to Florida together. No game plan. I just knew like, hey, I want to go to Florida. And then not long after that, uh, at the gym that I worked out at, there was this girl there whose client was a professional wrestler. 
And she saw me. She was like, hey, I can tell you're training for something. And I was like, yeah, I, I want to be a professional wrestler. And she's like, that's crazy. One of my clients is a professional wrestler. So I met up with him. He told me what school he was training at, which was Team 3D Academy. And then about a week or so later, I hopped in the car with this guy and drove there, met Bubba. And then about a month later, I was signed up for the school. And I was there for almost two years before I debuted on the independence. So that's that's kind of how I, I got started. I just had this overwhelming intuition, like, hey, this thing that you're going to school for and all these things that you're doing to make other people happy, it's this isn't it. You got to make yourself happy and go for the thing that your brain keeps telling you you want. And uh, I have to say, ever since I did that, I think I've been doing pretty good for myself. So <laughs> a lot of hard work in between all of that, but a lot of things from the universe, just connecting it all together saying like, hey, you made the right choice. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? You're breaking up a little bit. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um <laughs> That's where I first meet you. I remember I kind of did like a seminar. Um, yes. You, of course, stood out because of your height. And then you stood out because of your in-ring. And then you also stood out because both Bubba and Devon were like, the girls are going to be stars before the guys. And uh, I was just like, interesting, interesting. And then like, I had remember seeing you because I watch everything. Um, like... You're cleaning the ring. You're doing everything that was, you know, not even being asked because Bubba and Devon, just knowing them, knowing where Devon trained from, because we trained, had the same trainer and how Bubba is about respect and respecting the industry, respecting all of that. Um, so, I, you know, you were brought up correctly. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, like, and they definitely preach that, but like, I, I didn't necessarily have to have anybody kind of reiterate that to me. Growing up around a bunch of boys, it's like, okay, just because I'm a girl doesn't change what I have to do in order to earn my spot. So like when I started going to do shows or even when we were just at the school training, like I understood like, hey, the requirements to to put this all together and to make it all work, like you got to do that. You got to be a part of the system in order to pay your dues and, and work your way through. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I mean, I used to go to shows that I wasn't even booked on. I would help set up the ring. Anything they needed backstage, I would help do it as soon as the show was done, break it down. Uh, and then at the school, like whenever we, our ring was having issues, I would always try to. And that too, like, it's just good to, to learn and know about that stuff. Like, I've, I have a lot of friends who do ring rentals and, you know, to make a couple extra bucks going to help them out and, and help them with the ring. And if they're having issues with it and you know what, that, what is up with it then it's, it's good knowledge to know. It's not just about paying dues. It's just good to know every aspect of the business. I would, uh, oh, you're hundred percent correct. Part of my training is I, I had to graduate. You had to set up the ring by yourself. And so you, by yourself. yeah, dude, it was Holy those. I did a ring rental once where it was just me and one other person, but I don't think I've ever had to do it by myself. That's crazy. Setting up each post and then having get the first bar to connect by yourself yeah, and then you got to pick it up and like shimmy across. And if you're too close, you got to like put, but it also taught you like patience. It taught you, it taught yeah. you how to appreciate the ring because that's how you're going to make your money. It's very, very Mr. Miyagi ish. Yeah. My trainer. And a lot of times, like I, I go back to him. I was like, man, he was right. He was right on, as you get older, you become very reflective and you're like, man, he was right. Um, so, 
because you as a wrestler appreciate a good ring. And if you're the one who built it or, hey, there's a board sticking out. Well, I could either fix it or I could, you know, I have to bump on it, you know, so you just go in and you fix it. Um, Traveling the Indies, making a name for yourself. Um, I feel it's different uh, as a woman. I've spoken to Mickey James. You and I have spoken about it. You have said you've put yourself in some situations where I believe you staying like on people's couches or going places that you really didn't or hostile. Uh, were you the one who told me that story? I don't remember hostile. I mean, I definitely had some in the process of betting on yourself and trying to make it. I definitely have had some crazy experiences. My, my, it got to, well, first of all, like I, I witnessed a lot of people who would only go into the independence part-time. And because of that, they never really got any true momentum. They were fantastic wrestlers, great performers, but they would never get momentum. So I kind of knew going into it, I was like, if I'm serious about this, which at at this point, I had pretty much gone through six years of trying everything to spend my life working towards. And I knew that wrestling was it. So I was like, I can't go into this part-time because then nothing will come of this. So I kept losing jobs because of it. And then eventually when I did find a job that was, was able to adhere to that schedule, uh, it was overnights from 9 PM until like seven, eight in the morning. And then I would go to the, I would hop on a bus, go to the gym, go home, shower, go to wrestling school, go home, sleep for like two hours, (laughs) go back to work. And then Friday, when my last shift was done, I would hop in the car with strangers almost every weekend and just drive, 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 whether I was booked or not. And that was like, some of the crazy things I, I slept in hotel rooms with like six, seven people slept on the floor, shared beds. Like it didn't matter. Like I just did whatever it took. And then like, there was a lot of times where I would just like, yeah, I would, I used to, uh, I lived with a bunch of wrestlers at one point and then it got to the point where it wasn't working out anymore. So I, I literally went on Facebook and I found a, a roommate and I just lived with this stranger for like a year and a half right before COVID hit. So it's like, you just, you just do whatever it takes, whatever's going to work towards the long goal. You just do it. And there's a lot of scenarios where I would call my parents and they'd be like, you're doing what you're living with who? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm still alive. There's, there's food in my belly. It's okay. Like I'm the thing that I really am passionate about. I'm still going after it. So it's all good. Like it's one of those things where you don't think about it. You just put your head down and and you just stay the course and pray that it's all going to work out and that all the sacrifice is going to be worth it. So Thankfully, we're doing a little bit better in life now. But even even tomorrow, like if I had to go live with a stranger again, I'd do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's all worth it. Nice. Um, so your first, and please correct me if I'm wrong, where I feel your break is during COVID with AEW. Yeah. Um, I So I was starting to get a little bit of momentum on the indies. I was starting to get booked in, in matches with bigger names. And obviously uh, the pandemic happened. Um, so about a month or two in, I think, I finally officially lost my job and I packed up everything and I moved to South Florida. And then about a week or two after I moved, Billy Gunn hit me up and was like, hey, why haven't you reached out to me about AEW? And I was like, well, first of all, there's a pandemic going on. Like, and second of all, I, I figured you have a million emails and I, you didn't need an extra one up in your DMs. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I want them to see you. you've been working hard. Uh, just do the X, Y, and Z and then come to the taping. So I did. And then like, once I got there and was able to 
with a bunch of people. I just made sure that every single week I just messaged whoever I had to message and be like, Hey, can I please come back? Can I please come back? And eventually it got to the point where I didn't have to ask anymore. You know, I just, I got the email every week and I started becoming a regular and, uh, I'm truly thankful for the opportunity that Billy gave me. And I'm thankful for everybody there who kept bringing me back and letting me grow as a performer. And, and I mean, there was a lot of people backstage too, who actually like on a weekly basis took the time to pull me aside and give me some feedback and stuff. They weren't my agents or anything like that, but they just truly cared about my growth. Like, uh, Jerry Lynn, Cody, Dustin, uh, Christopher Daniels, like all these people take me to the side and just give me some advice. And it was, it was honestly an incredible experience and it, it did wonders to help keep my career going and elevate it to the next level to the point where now I can say, Hey, I'm a contracted talent with a big company and it's great. So nice. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Um, so that whole time yeah. there, you're not only are you're wrestling as well as like being the crowd, really. Yeah. Oh, that so that was worse than the wrestling. Not going to lie. Like I obviously like they're paying us to be there. I'll do whatever you need of me. But I remember it got to the point where we, we were in the crowd and we had such long nights that like, as soon yeah. as we would come back, like my voice would get all like hoarse. And it got to the point that as soon as we come back one match in, I lost my voice. It was just, Oh, what do they call it? The, the modules or whatever that you get on your, yeah. I'm pretty sure at one point I had that because I could barely scream like one note and then my voice would be completely gone. It was crazy, but kept the bills, bills paid. So I won't complain, <laughs> but yeah, um, it was, it was, it was a very different experience having to be a part of the crowd like that. Yeah. I mean, cause also you were, I mean, a trained wrestler, but it, it really did help. And, uh, though, yeah. Florida received a lot of heat for their lack of regulations, but I know Tony Khan went above and beyond to make sure that his workers were um, safe and had a safe yes. working environment. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would always put him over uh, when he would come on Busted Open for that, just like a safe working environment because of course, everybody wants to come at a person for doing something. But when you're having a company like AEW that just gets off the ground and then the pandemic hits, it's like, whoa, like, you know, this oh, yeah. is not good. He, he always took extreme measures to make sure that everybody was safe and healthy. Like, even if you were had passed somebody who tested positive, like not even in the same building, just a quick passing in a hallway. If, if you know, like if you knew and you told them like, nope, got to stay away for X amount of time, like, they were always very, very, very 
on everybody about like, hey, just be honest, be upfront because we want a safe work environment. And and I don't think we ever had any any kind of issues there because of that. So he took very, very good care of everybody there. And we were able to do what we loved for however long at Jacksonville because of it. Right. That place was special. I love, And I would always say, man, yeah. you're lucky you... You, you got to count your blessings when you have them. Yes, we're in a pandemic, but you now have a home. You have a home that you can go yeah. to, you know, and that's definitely AEW's home. You just, you found it, you know? Yeah. Um, From there, you're also allowed to work other places, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean when I was at AEW? Yes. Oh, yeah. So once, once the, once everything started to let up a little bit and uh, the restrictions weren't as heavy, um, they did allow us to start working independence again. So once that once that started, I knew I was like, hey, you know, I've got all this momentum going from being able to work regularly with AEW. So let me take this on the independence, see who is willing to book me. And then uh, once I did that, that's when I kind of started trying to just take what I learned with AEW and not, not just in the ring wrestling wise, but just observing TV style wrestling and observing like how they tell stories and stuff like that. I was like, let me take this out onto the independence and see how I can best myself recreate TV style wrestling and take promotions to the next level. So I got to do that with a couple different promotions. They put their titles on me and they really allowed me to have a little bit of creative freedom and just take my own camera or get a cinematographer and we would just film our own segments and stuff like that and have a lot of fun. Um, so it was really cool because not only did I get to use AEW to elevate my brand, but I was able to use it to learn how to take what I do by myself and kind of up the quality of that as well. Now I feel your next big break is NWA. Yes. So you're being put in higher profile matches. Yeah. So for the longest time, uh, so my first connection to NWA was through the empower pay-per-view Mickey and Gail and uh, Medusa all worked with me on that. And I got to tag there with uh, Red Velvet at the time we were still tag teaming. Um, then after that, I, I went back to AEW for a while. And I think a lot of people thought I was contracted there because of how regularly I worked with them. Um, but I wasn't. So I finally, I, I was sitting at home doing that whole, like, why isn't anybody reaching out to me thing? And then finally I realized I'm like, stop waiting for people to reach out to you. They probably think X, Y, or Z, so just do it yourself. So I finally texted uh, Mickey and I was like, hey, I'm under the impression that you guys think I'm contracted. I'm not. And I would love the opportunity to work with other companies. I really want to get my name out there on different platforms, different audiences. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you texted me. I didn't know that you were a free agent. Yes, let's let's figure something out. And then about a week later, I got uh, an email from Pat and they brought me in to the tapings. And uh, the first match I had there was with Markova. And if you've ever seen Markova wrestler wrestle, she's a hard hitter and I like hard hitting matches. So her and I had like a seven minute Josie, just like beat the crap out of each other match. And they were so impressed with it that for the next pay-per-view, they immediately booked me in a match with Camille, um, which was crazy because I guess up until that point, she really hadn't had any uh, opponents that were huge physical threats to her, like same size as her and stuff like that. So they they took the opportunity to build that story. And then eventually they started telling the story about how Bully had trained both of us and that he would be there on commentary. So it was a really great 
a full circle moment because Camille and I, Camille started a little bit before me, but then she ended up leaving the school not long after I'd been there. So her and I had taken very different journeys in wrestling, but then we got to come back together in the same company with our trainer there to, to be a part of that moment. I just thought that was really cool. And then obviously uh, because of that match, my, my time with NWA became a little bit more high profile and I was able to do a lot of great things with them. And then I believe you went back and had a few more higher profile AEW matches as well. Yeah. So yeah. So I was consistently doing work with NWA for a while. And then at one point I'm trying to remember what month it was in. I want to say it was like late summer, maybe, maybe early fall. Um, I got a, a text from QC Marshall and was like, hey, are you still allowed to workplaces? And I was like, yeah, why? What's up? Um, and I guess uh, they were building Tony Storm up. And so they wanted to give her a really good opponent uh, on Dynamite. And he was like, hey, uh, TK wants to book you against Tony Storm. And I'm just like, okay, you want to bring me back after six months of being away? You want to put me on Dynamite against Tony Storm? Like, absolutely. I'm there. Um, and then we got to do that. I believe that was in Virginia. And it was it was a great night. That match was so easy and so fun. I loved wrestling Tony. And TK was so, so happy with it that they immediately brought me back the next week to wrestle in my home state of Ohio against Britt Baker, um, which was really cool because my parents were in the audience. And that was the first time they ever got to see me wrestle in person. Like they, they go on YouTube all the time and they watch me, but they've never seen me wrestle in person. So uh, it was very, very cool to, to have that moment in Ohio with them there. Um, and then after that, it kind of sizzled down for a little bit. And then I was able to come to impact and, and finally debut with you guys. So that happens. You come on busted open, you tell your story yeah. and I'm like, I don't want to say I forgot about you, but I was kind of under that same impression, you know, even though we talk with Bubba and then I did, I text Bubba and I was just like, is Kylan under contract with anybody? And yeah. like, me just knowing your story, I was like, she's a perfect, like what impact needs, you know, for the women's division. Plus, we were coming to Florida. Um, yeah. You have two very, very good tryout matches. And I was just like, man, you did great for yourself. You were, and yes, because I've already read it. Tommy Dreamer, Gail Kim. Yes, I'm responsible for getting another person hired. How dare I do such things? <laughs> um, I love watching people follow their dreams. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, this person, this person, you also, you know, behind the scenes, you don't want to push for a person too much. Cause then it's like, right. you're pushing for them too much. Then like, they just like, well, let's hold off. It wasn't long before that, where you were a very, very good kept secret that you were hired and under contract. So you, you learn how to keep your mouth shut again, how you were brought up. You didn't post stuff on social media. You had to try out how long, you did two matches. Uh, how long yeah. before you, uh, we, they offered you a contract? I don't remember. So I want to say it was about a week or two after the tryout matches. I, 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 it wasn't very long. I do remember it was, it was less than a month. So I want to say it was about yeah. two weeks. I remember I was at the gym when I got the phone call uh, <laughs> and Gail was like, hey, we need to talk to you. And I was like, okay. Uh, and she, she started laughing. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just out of breath. I was just doing a 
cardio and she's like you want me to call you back I was like no it's fine she's like okay I'm gonna call you back with Tommy and I was like okay so it, yeah it was it was really cool because my my other half had just picked me up from the gym and he's been on me with this journey like for the last four years watching me you know bust my butt and experience disappointment and failure and then success and then cry and all you know the whole cycle of it all he's he's witnessed it all and so I got to as I was getting in the car with him we were driving and that's when when I was on the phone with both of you and then you guys let me know and I was just like this is cool this is really really cool so yeah it was it was one of those things where it's like Gail doesn't call me very often so uh pick up the phone (laughs) so but it was it was the biggest news because I remember thinking I was like the biggest thing that I wanted was I want, I didn't want to just bump to bump anymore. Like I, for the last three and a half years, I've been putting my body through hell just, you know, to impress whoever and um, whomever. And uh, at this point, like I really wanted to start tapping into the storytelling side and really just create some history with people and create tension and drama and do all those, those wonderful things. Um, And that's what I was trying to do on the independence. So that way people, that are in charge of the companies could see like, Hey, I'm not going to wait for you to put a camera in front of me. I'm capable of doing this now. So that's even more incentive for you to, to put your eyes on me and be like, Hey, we want her here. Um, so it, the last couple of years has been a lot of work in regards to that. And now I finally get to say like, Hey, it's paying off. And I finally got to sign the contract and do the thing. And now we're going to build the brand to the next level even further. So the behind the scenes, like Scott was just like, Hey, what do you want to do? Kind of like a hiring process and we all vote, but we're like, yeah, we should hire like kind of like casual. And then yeah. like, then we go off and we private that Gail's like, we were both as excited. I'm sure as you are to get the call. We have never dual called anybody to hire them. Oh, really? And I was just like, listen, Gail, I've known this girl a long time. I want to be the one. She's like, I want to be the one to hire. I was just like, can we do it together? And I was like, hell yeah. So Aww. we called you like two giddy school children telling good news to a, a fellow person that, hey, this is uh, happening for you. We'd love to have you on board, blah, 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 blah. So uh, that's, that's so special. I love yeah. that. Um, there is uh, there's a very, very human element in impact wrestling which I think is yeah. cool because throughout every aspect of the industry, everybody's a wrestler yeah. in the company. And I, we know the highs and lows and experienced it. And, you know, uh, you know, from being on top to the bottom to, you know, having your company go away, we, we've all been there. So, I mean, it's very, very cool. And also creative freedom. It means so much. Yeah. And it's kind of a really one of the best atmospheres I've ever been around. And uh, I'm a, a key proponent of that. Wherever I go, I try to, I make change and then I leave. So then uh, that's kind of what I do. But And you you immediately feel that when you enter into the impact atmosphere, because like I remember I walked in and some of the people I, I knew just from whether it was independence or just in passing, but even the people who I had never met before, we're so excited you're here and uh, yeah, and this is where you go and this is uh, who you need to talk to and all that stuff. And it was just a very welcoming environment. And now I get to say that I get to work with it permanently. And that's, it's, I just can't wait to, to experience that more often and just learn and grow in that environment. And this will air, this podcast will air after you shock the world, literally your first taping when the tag titles, 
Um, I didn't want to say anything. I wasn't sure. No, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, you uh, you win the tag titles, and I watched the faces in the crowd. They were like, "Ah, oh. they were shocked." They weren't ready. No, they weren't ready. They were like, That's "Wait, why- the Death Dolls are no more. What happened?" But two two of the biggest goals that I set for myself in 2023 was I wanted to become a contracted talent, and I wanted to become a champion of whatever company I was contracted to. So I think <laughs> did that the first night. Really I did that in the first night. So yeah. All so. downhill from there, kid. Oh, no. <laughs> you better start writing new goals. I yeah. want to be impact. I want to be <laughs> knockout champion. <laughs> well, I mean, a new goal could be that I'm the tag team champ and the knockout. Yeah. yeah. Want a main event uh, to pay-per-view. Start yes. writing, writing new ones. Go. Put them into I existence. Yep. Well, that's uh, phenomenal. And I'm super proud. And I love that not only do I get to work with you, um, that you have experienced your goals. And there's way more things like that are going to happen for you in your life and in your career. This is the first step. And and if like you can pattern yourself for the indie scene. Yes, it is hard. You had a goal. You stuck with it. A lot of people don't, like you said, but it's a good model to kind of take. If you're and I tell people like, hey, how am I going to get started? One, find a reputable wrestling school. Two, realize it's not going to happen overnight. And then you but we've already discussed your progression. But think about that. Okay, why do these people not want to hire me? All right. So then I went here. These people like me. They've yet to sign me. Then these people want. Okay, so like you keep bouncing back and forth to like, oh, wait, somebody likes me. Somebody wants to use me and somebody wants to sign me like that's how it should be. And then. Whenever that contract runs out, then you decide, well, I know I'm worth more money here. If these people want me, cool. If then the, it, then it's a, a financial thing. So and then yeah. uh that that's the progression of the industry and that's how it should happen. And I'm I'm happy I was a small cog in that wheel, but you had uh, many, many people in your corner. And it had nothing to do with friendships. It just had something to do with all your own hard work. So uh, your dues have paid yeah. off and they will continue to keep paying off for you. Oh, yeah. Proud as hella for you. Any, uh, how do we find you on social media? Super easy at Kylan King, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I post there very regularly because I like to keep everybody updated what I'm doing, what's going on in my life. So that way, because, you know, if I'm in your area, you can come see Kylan King. So, uh, and then I do sell merch on a, a website called fullygimmick.com. I got a couple different t-shirt designs on there. So if you guys are interested and want to own a Kylan King t-shirt, that's where you can get it. But maybe hopefully eventually I'll have one at impact. I don't know Let's, if you have any influence there. <laughs> sure. I'll make it happen. Don't worry about it. No, I just use it. <laughs> Is that an, no, that's another goal you need for yourself. Yes. Listen, no, my goals, right. I'm going to give yeah. you my goals that I had in my career. Number one, need to be in a video game. Number two, needed an action figure. Um, that, those are my long-term goals in wrestling. Um, my generation, I needed to be able to purchase cowboy boots. Then it was I needed to purchase um, a Halliburton. The generation before me was Cadillacs. My generation was Mercedes-Benz. And then buy a yeah. house for my parents. I did it all. But yeah. those those are my progressions of like, hey, I made it in the wrestling industry. Yeah. So, you I mean, like I said, you hit your first 
frigging goal on the first night. You got to just, I, and I do, I write my shit down and like different motivation. I still have the, the rejection letter that WWE sent me uh, when I first sent them my VCR tape. And it was just like, we're not interested in your services. And I was just like, F you, one day you will be. And I'm going to work yeah. my ass off to the point where I used to turn them down when I was in ECW. And then uh, yeah. turn them down later when after, you know, they offered me a contract. And I was like, I'm cool with my life. I will work with you, though. But they're like, oh, we want you under contract. Nope. Thanks. See ya. Nope, it's, uh, it's great to be a captain of your own ship. And you're definitely a captain. Um, anything else? I think that's it. Well, awesome. Did you meet your significant other on Facebook or Craigslist? <laughs> no, no. I met him through wrestling. I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll go live with you, stranger. <laughs> yeah, right. I actually didn't use Craigslist for the first time until like a month ago. Really? I was not a Craigslist person. Yeah, I just used Facebook, the 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 marketplace i was trying to remember the word the marketplace on facebook i use that for a lot of things i uh weirdly sold a car on craigslist i mean whatever works beulah sold it for me because i was a college project yeah and then she was like i don't want this person to come to my house so we had to had to meet the person in the park and <laughs> it was for like my acura something and i was like you need to bring thirty thousand dollars. Meet us in this park. <laughs> and that doesn't sound. It was a real deal that went down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it felt sketchy. Yeah, it oh, felt sketchy. Crazy. All righty, my dear. Well, you have a wonderful day, and I look forward uh, to seeing you each and every week on Impact Wrestling. And that's this week's episode of the House of Hardcore podcast with the King. Kylan King. Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.